the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have been exploring the leading of the Holy Spirit this week on Abounding Grace. Today, we shift gears and see what it means to walk in the Spirit. Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, coming up next. You know, most of us in America today, both inside and outside of the church, have created a religion. It's a religion that really focuses in on earning a place in God's favor by correct behavior. Well, this religion also denies the need for the grace of God, a religion based in legalism. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace, where we'll be starting in Galatians chapter 5 today. We're focusing in specifically on verses 25 through chapter 6 and verse 10. Message is called Walking in the Spirit. We invite you to spend time with us today. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with this edition of Abounding Grace. Most Americans today, both inside and outside the church, have an external mechanical kind of religion that focuses on earning a place in God's favor by correct behavior. It believes in an automatic acceptance with God by doing good and right things. It is a religion of law and not of grace. It is a religion in which law and self take the place of Jesus Christ as a basis of a person's acceptance with the living God. Throughout the entire epistle of Galatians, Paul has repeatedly refuted and condemned such a religion for several reasons. Number one, because it assumes too high a view of man and man's ability. It assumes man can do something, can do enough to impress God to bestow on that person his favor. And the Bible teaches that that view of man is much too high because all of man's righteousness is as filthy rags and he cannot do anything, anything to win God's favor. That religion, religion also denies the need for the grace of God. It says that man's not dead in his trespasses and sins. He has a, fur, a few personality flaws, but... You know, with a little encouragement from his friends and, of course, from God, he can work through those things and pull himself up by his bootstraps. And he has no conscious awareness of the fact that a man cannot be accepted with God short of the sovereign omnipotence of God transforming his heart and raising him from the dead spiritually. And what's more... This external mechanical religion reduces the meaning and the demands and the focus of God's law to something that regulates more external behavior. So the religion of modern man is an insult to God's grace. 
It is an insult to God's law, and it is an insult to God himself. Time and again, Jesus condemned the Pharisees for this kind of religion. He condemned them for conforming their external behavior to God's law for an ulterior motive, and that ulterior motive was trying to make points with God so that they could get into his heaven. According to Jesus, true obedience originates in the heart, which has been renewed by the Holy Spirit. And obedience is motivated not by a desire to make points with God, but by gratitude to Jesus Christ for saving that sinner. And all obedience is done to the glory of God and for his honor. Here are Jesus' exact words from Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Today's popular religion, held by liberals and conservatives alike, consists of basically two things. Number one, an external profession of faith in Christ that has some measure of correctness of doctrine in it. And secondly, some correctness of behavior, some semblance of morality. But it's all on the outside. And at the heart, at the inner core of modern man's life is a principle of self-determination, self-love, self-trust, aimed at self-justification before God. So although there is the appearance of an external conformity to God's law, nevertheless, those who hold to this religion are governed not by the truth of God, but by external circumstances, by what is pragmatic, and by what that person personally prefers. True Christian religion and the Christian life are diametrically opposed to everything connected with an externalist, mechanical kind of religion. The Christian life begins with faith in Jesus Christ, the surrender of our lives to Christ, turning from sin, which faith and repentance themselves are gifts from God that result from an inner renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is a life of daily submission to the sanctifying influences of the Holy Spirit, arising again from within us, leading us down the path of life. And this leadership of the Holy Spirit arising from within us is manifested in the happy renewal of God's law in our lives to which we seek to bring our lives into conformity to. Not to make points, but because of this powerful impetus and motivation and stimulus of the Holy Spirit within our hearts enabling us to do so. Verse 25 is a description of the Christian life over against mechanical religion. It says, if we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit, let us walk. And remember, when we looked at this verse previously, we saw that the word walk is a distinct Greek word that means to walk by a rule. So that what it means is, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit's rule. So the Christian life is living in the power and the divine resources of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, which living in the Spirit 
proves itself by daily walking by the rule of the Spirit contained in His Word. The Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us the effective power to keep from sinning so much as the unbeliever and to bring our lives more and more and our hearts more and more into captivity to Christ and to true holiness. So we as believers draw from this power of the Holy Spirit within us. Then in an active and persistent and persevering way, we use this power in our everyday lives to bring our thoughts and our motives, our dreams, our, our goals, our behavior, everything about us into line with the rule of the Spirit of God, which again is the Word of God. So depending on this interactivity of the Holy Spirit, we as believers are to fill our hearts and our minds with the Word of Christ and day by day to walk by the rule of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God through the power of that Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, as we have seen, is not some kind of ecstatic experience. It's not Him whispering in your ear. It's not God giving you miraculous signs as to how you should, what you should do, but we have seen over two or three Sundays that our walking in the Spirit is a life lived out daily in terms of the Word of God and allowing that Word to govern and regulate all of our relationships, activities, thoughts, and desires. And it's not to make points with God. It is because of this intense gratitude that we have in our hearts that Christ alone has saved us from our sins. Now, that is the true nature of the Christian, and it is anything but mechanical. Anything but the focus being on the external and on an attempt to win God's favor. The Christian life is first and foremost a thing of the heart. It's a spiritual existence which spiritual existence and experience manifests itself, of course, not only in our thoughts, but in our outward behavior as we relate to one another. Now, in verse 26 of chapter 5, going down through verse 10 of chapter 6, we see a description of a life that is lived walking in the Spirit of God. External, mechanical approaches to Christianity can never produce this kind of life that is described in these verses. Such a life is totally beyond man's reach in and of himself. This godly, strong, beautiful life of living and walking in the spirit that is experienced by true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only kind of life that pleases God. And the benefits of such a life is what all men and women long to possess. So let's now look at this verbal picture of life lived walking in the Spirit of God. What does true Christianity look like when the Christian lives it out? Verse 26. Let us not become boastful or conceited, challenging or provoking one another, envying one another. Walking in the Spirit enables us to avoid being conceited, being boastful. Now, bear in mind, right from the start, the beginning of this picture deals not with some external behavior, but an inner application of disposition of the heart. Conceit is not something you do with your hands or your ears or your feet. It's not an external thing. 
It is an inner attitude of mind. So in describing what Christianity looks like when lived out by the Christian, it goes again right to the heart. It goes to the inner life of a man. And it says, when you are walking with the Spirit, when you are depending upon the Holy Spirit's power, seeking to walk by His rule, you are enabled by the Spirit to avoid being conceited. Now, what does it mean to be conceited? It means to be proud of yourself for a variety of things. To be proud of yourself because of something you are. To be proud of something you've done because of something you inherited, because of something you possess. And every time you think of those things that you are proud of doing, you just love yourself all the more. For instance, when you're proud of yourself because of whom you are, And you take pride of the fact that you are well-educated. You're more knowledgeable than the average person who knows about life and the Bible. And you are proud of it. You are conceited. You love yourself because you know so much. Or you say, well, I don't know that much, but I'm practical. And I'm down to earth. I'm fairly wise. I'm not someone who walks around with his head in the sky like all those intellectuals. I deal with everyday life, and I deal with it well, and I'm proud of it. I love myself because I'm like that. I'm unselfish. I'm a serving person, and I love it and because I am so selfless. So you see, whenever you have done anything, whether it is spiritual-sounding or moral, and you love yourself because of it, You are conceited. When you have given money to things to the point of sacrifice, you have been charitable and generous, and you're proud of it, and you love yourself for it, you are conceited. When you are successful in raising your children, you say, my children aren't perfect, but they've turned out pretty good. I'm proud of it. You're conceited. If you have ever done anything heroic, or whenever you inherited anything, riches, position, status, powerful connections, you're proud of it. You are conceited. When you are proud of things you possess, your home, your cars, your job, your income, your investments, and you love yourself more every time you think of these things, you are conceited. But when you walk by the Spirit... He gives you the power to keep you from being conceited and to keep you from loving yourself because of what you are and what you have done and what you have inherited and what you possess because walking in the Spirit gives you gratitude to God. You recognize that everything you have is not because of yourself but because of the abundant generosity of our God Everything you are, you are because God decreed it, beloved. Everything you have, you have because God's providence provided it for you. Everything you have inherited, everything that you have done is the result of the providence of God. How can you and I ever love ourselves and be proud of all of that as if we have done it when We would have had nothing were it not for the providence of Almighty God. 
what you have, are, do, and inherit is what God determines for you. And if he doesn't will for you to have it, you'll never have it. So when we walk by the Holy Spirit, he fills our hearts with gratitude to God and gives us an awareness of God's hand and providence in it. And in so doing, saves us from conceit. Do you know how conceitedness shows up? A little verse 26 is so wise. Notice two phrases. It says, let us not become boastful or conceited, challenging or provoking one another, envying one another. So there are the two ways conceitedness shows itself in your life, either by provoking one another or by envying one another. What does it mean by provoking or challenging one another? That is, when you say, I'm better than you are, and I'm going to prove it, and I don't ever want you to forget it. That provokes, doesn't it? So you do all the right things zealously for the wrong reasons. And of course, that will get you nowhere with God. You do all the right things, you're hardworking, you're zealous, faithful, all of the various other things that you're supposed to do and be. Why? It is because you are conceited, not because you are a faithful Christian. You read the Bible, you come to church, you put money in the offering plate, but do you do everything you're supposed to be doing because you love the Lord? Think about it, beloved. For many people, it is because they are conceited. And there are people out there that you and others want to know just how good you are. And so you think highly of yourself because of it. Jesus condemned that attitude time and again. He saw it in the Pharisees, remember? We say, I'm more cultured. I'm more intelligent. I'm more sacrificial, I'm more humble, I'm more spiritual, I'm more successful, I'm more Calvinistic. And I don't want you to forget that. That is not rooted in love for the truth. That is rooted in conceit. And we provoke one another with that attitude. But then also this conceitedness shows itself in envying one another. Now, what is that saying? It is saying, you are better than I am. And I regret it. If I can't have what you have, I hope you lose it. We live in a day of envy. People go to the voting booth and vote based on their envy. Our lives are motivated today, by and large, by envy. You're better than I am. You have more than I do. You're superior to me in knowledge and holiness and wealth and success and status, but... I don't want to pay the price that you had to pay to get those things. So I'll just cut you down to size. I'm going to talk badly about you. I'm going to let other people know what a hypocritical good-for-nothing you are, that you don't deserve any of the good things you have. I'm envious of you. And if I can't have what you have, I hope you lose it. So I'm going to belittle you before others and whittle you down so I don't feel inferior to you any longer. When a person walks in the Holy Spirit of God, he enables him to avoid being dominated by those kinds of attitudes. 
Notice a phrase now that occurs a couple of times in verse 26, which is one another. Let us not become boastful challenging one another, envying one another. Verse 2 of chapter 6, bear one another's burdens. You see, the focus of a person who is walking in the Spirit is not himself. It's not self-love. It's not self-approval. It's not being consumed with self. He has denied himself and he's taken up the cross and followed Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the focus of his life is one another. That is what he lives for. That is what he is concerned with. That is what he is consumed with. Not that everyone pay him service and everyone minister to his needs. But the great desire of his life being motivated now by the Holy Spirit, which desire has been put there by the Holy Spirit, is to be Christ-like and be more concerned with serving rather than be served. Remember, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The kind of life the Holy Spirit enables you to lead that is the opposite of a conceited life is described in Romans 12, 9 through 17. Now a conceited person can't live this kind of life because he's too wrapped up in himself. He can't take his eyes off of himself. But when a person is walking in the spirit power of the Holy Spirit, following the word of the Spirit of God, he is able then to live this kind of life. So let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 through 17. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. A conceited person can't live this kind of life. That describes a humble life. And the only way that a humble life can be lived is when we walk in the Spirit of God. Do you know what the cure is for conceit and envy and everything that comes along with those types of attitudes? It is contentment with the will of God. It is to learn to be content in what Ever state you find yourself. It is learning to be satisfied with what God deals out to you in life. It is learning to trust God with your life more than you trust yourself. 
It is learning to commit yourself to the will of God and say, Lord, thank you for commanding what you do in your revealed will. Thank you for what you promised to me in your revealed will. And I thank you for the way that you are dealing with me in your revealed will. Your providential dealings with me day in and day out. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.